Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, Dolphin fans? Thank you so much for tuning in to a brand new episode of another Dolphins podcast. Please be warned that the first two or three minutes, we experienced a little bit of technical difficulties, so you might experience an echo, but I promise you, this is an episode you will not want to miss, so check it out. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh Houts. It is a crazy day here on another Dolphins podcast. Thank you all for joining us. It will be a fun one because we have the quad box. Joining me, Merrick, and Josh is Omar Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at Omar Kelly, alldolphins.com, and the All Dolphins podcast wherever you get your podcast. So, Omar, you've been around the Dolphins universe for a very long time. I'm very happy to have you on one of our shows. Hey, Ben, how's it going? Always a pleasure. Um, I have a little bit of an echo, so bear with me while I put some headphones in to accommodate that. <laughs> That's I'm funny. That's funny that you mentioned it. We were all uh, working out our own echo issues issues before we got you on here, so we've been through it recently as well. We're blaming Merrick for it. <laughs> it's always my fault. <laughs> so, Omar, I mentioned it. Um, we're going to dive into everything you've been at Dolphins Camp, and uh, – I'm also a big J. I actually have a degree in journalism. And the one thing we're all taught, okay. right, is it's not about the dog that bit the man. It's the man that bit the dog. That's the important news. So, Omar, you were on Twitter recently. You had a viral picture. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the views. Hold on. From let, the me process that. let me process that. It's not about. It's about. It's not about the, the dog, dog that, that bit the man. That's not news. Every dog bites a man. But the second a man bites a dog, then we got some news on our hands. So I was just curious, you know, we had some views from the cinder block. I I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that whole, um, there was a picture on Twitter and it was kind of memed a couple times. I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that and and what the environment is like at practice. Are you talking about the picture of like Dalvin Cook? Um, No, we're talking about the picture of you standing on the cinder block there, Omar. You're standing on the cinder block. I think it was in Houston, almost like a a sailor on a boat, a, a captain, if you will. Yeah. Here's just to explain the situation. We have never had in my life in the media a more horrible view of a practice than we had with Houston. They sequestered us to like a little corner. You had to watch both fields. And when it went to the far side, there's a group of fans standing there where you're working into the end zone and they're videotaping it. And we can't even see the action. We can't even see what happened because players are creating a wall that blocks your view. Um, so eventually, what I, I can't even get credit for this, because Lewis, a videographer, 
um, for um, CBS4, four. he was like, I was complaining about it. He was like, why don't you just stand up here? He got up on the cinder block and was looking at the action. And I asked him, okay, so what happened? And he didn't want to like recap what happened for everybody. So he was like, hey, you go up there and you recap what happened for everybody. And I was like, okay, that's no different than what I'm used to. So that's, that's what my role became. I love it. I love it. Hey, uh, let's jump right into some injuries. Today at camp was kind of a big day. I hear that Brandon Jones is out there without a non-contact jersey. So when you walk out onto the field and you start to see these uh, red jerseys start to disappear, um, who jumps out to you first? Uh, I don't know. Today was not a day where they were actually practicing, practicing. They were installing and working against the scout team. So it was. it became a situation where were guys really working today? And I would argue to you that they weren't. Um, mm-hmm. So Brandon Jones being out there, I don't put too much stock into it. In yeah. fact, I talked to Ronaldo Hill uh, the day we got coordinators on Monday, and this is to continue. This is a story that I still want to put up. Um, and he basically said, "Yeah, we still haven't found the starting safety, but it's between three guys." And Brandon Jones was not mentioned in those three guys. Oh wow! And I was like, "Oh." That's interesting. So um, that's something that I'll eventually put up for alldolphins.com, which, by the way, is a free website, unlike newspapers, where we give you the exact same coverage that you get from the newspapers with 50 years of experience between me and Alan Poupard um, covering the Dolphins. But uh, Brandon Jones, you know, the one thing about these knee injuries is when you try to bring them back or, or any injuries, when you try to bring when a guy is like pushing and pushing and pushing and trying to come back. Remember, he's still 10 months into his rehab process. Mm -hmm. An ACL injury realistically takes 12 months. And when you're 10 months into a rehab process and you try to push it too much, you could re-aggravate it or you could stress another issue, tendon, hamstring, quad, that's compensating for the injury. And that's supposedly, according to Mike McDaniel, who I don't think he's ever lied to me, but that's what's happened with Brandon Jones. So I think that they're going to slow it down a little bit just to ensure that they don't suffer any serious setbacks. So it was good to see him out there today. Uh, same thing with Troy Williams. Saw him out there today, but neither one of those guys are competing for that starting safety spot. According to Ronaldo Hill, the secondary coach. Do you have a favorite in that room? Do you have a favorite uh, that could play, you know, alongside of Javon Holland that you like the best that you've seen throughout I, I, Based on what I've seen, and I realize, uh, sorry, guys, I'm trying to see this agent is texting me. Um, Okay, I realize that it's more, they don't need a strong safety. A strong safety is not important in this defense. Um, And the problem with that is you've got two strong safeties in Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Jones. What you need for what you're trying to do with this cover four defense is you need two free safeties back there and have them to be interchangeable. We've, we've, we've done this multiple times with multiple different secondaries. I'm sure you guys know the names. Um, have them be interchangeable. And Javon Holland is up a lot. So if Javon Holland is up, you need somebody to play center field. And you need somebody who's got the range and athleticism and cover skills where they won't let a, a defender get behind them. Or you need somebody who's got the fluid fluidness in their hips to cover a tight end or cover a back coming out the backfield. And to me, that's Elijah Campbell. Now, that's exactly who I was just going to ask you about, Omar. I've seen you mention Elijah Campbell 
on Twitter a couple times now. Do you think he can take that role opposite Holland? Uh, I think that there are complications with giving him that role. And let me explain why I would be hesitant in giving him that role. Why I think he's the best suited to play next to Javon Holland. I also would rank him as the number one special teams player. He's your number one gunner. Gunner is a very important position in the NFL. And a bad gunner could cost you probably about 60 yards a game. Um, I can't name you another good gunner on the team right now. Maybe Justin Bethel, and he's battling a knee injury. Maybe Keon Crossan. Keon Crossan, I was going to say, just came back from injury. He's battling another injury. He's out there, but is he really back? Um, So if I don't have Elijah Campbell as my gunner, who do I have? And it may, you know, I won't know this until the 53 is put together. Um, And I'm always scared of weakening special teams to elevate a defense. If I could do both, then I'd try to do both. And that might be what I'm trying to do. But then the problem with doing that is I'm telegraphing what I'm doing when I do put Elijah Campbell on the field and when I do put Deshaun Elliott on the field. And so I wouldn't want to do that. So it's a, it's a real quandary of a situation that, that, that they have right now. Omar, you uh, had a pretty interesting tweet, and it got me thinking recently, where you were talking about the depth of this team. And I want to talk about that secondary for a moment, because we mentioned just a few players, Trill Williams, uh, Justin Bethel, who I think you said is dealing with a knee injury. You know, going throughout this offseason, it was, why do we draft Cam Smith? We have all this depth in the secondary. But you said that, and, you know, you kind of start putting the pieces together. Nick Needham is still not practicing. He might not be ready for the season. Um, it's weird where we're kind of in this same situation of last year, where despite trying to build up this cornerback uh, room, there there's no depth. It might come back middle of the season, but you're spot on. I'd love for you to kind of expand on that a little bit. Um, I was in the camp of what the hell are you doing drafting Cam Smith? Um and I understand he was a top 50 player on your draft board. Stick to your board. That is a Chris Greerism. Stick to your board. Even if it's not a position in need, stick to your board. And he turned out to be right. Um, you, losing Jalen Ramsey, that was tough. Um, the hope and optimism that you'll get him back in December, wishful thinking. You have to be able to endure injuries. And Cam Smith going down with a shoulder injury. Luckily, it doesn't seem to be as severe as 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 it was initially thought to be, and more than likely he'll be ready to play for the season opener maybe the week after that or maybe the week after that. But, um, you know, you could have easily lost him, separated shoulder, you could have easily lost him for the season. Um, so, you know, you can never, and he, Chris Greer said it, and it's true, and I've covered the Dolphins. I've never covered a season in 15 years where they didn't need six cornerbacks to make it through the season i'm talking about play six cornerbacks in a game Mm -hmm. not special teams no they've always needed six cornerbacks for a season so and the fact that they've added five defensive backs since training camp opened lets you know exactly where they are from a team standpoint with that position and you know dolphin fans are angry and bothered and upset with me for two things the first is the cap apocalypse which I think I've thoroughly explained to people and how it has ramifications and impacts decisions now, but clearly those who don't want to hear it aren't hearing it. And okay, that's cool. But also my issues with the depth on this roster. I'm sorry. You know, 
when you're covering an NFL team, you realize you're going to probably be without six starters by the time December rolls around. It's just the nature of the beast. This is a 100% injury sport. And you're going to lose an offensive lineman. You're going to lose a running back. You're going to lose a, a, a wide receiver. You're going to lose a tight end. You're going to lose a quarterback. You're going to lose a defensive lineman. It's just a matter of who do you lose and how do you compensate for that player. And I could tell you, with the exception of the running back unit, and I think virus, I mean, quarterback is what it's going to be. Quarterback is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I personally believe you lose to a season done. You, you can yep. believe whatever you want. Um, but with the exception of, 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 of running back, I'm not comfortable with the depth on this roster at any position. Uh, I think they are one short in terms of talent players at every position. I, I give you a perfect example. Right now, Neville Hewitt would be your fourth linebacker and probably be your top, if not second best special teams player. That's a player that I'm trying to add to my roster if Houston cuts him. I'm claiming him. I'm looking for a same similar caliber player on the defensive line. I'm looking for a same similar caliber player on the offensive line, maybe a center, because I don't know if I'm going to resign Connor Williams, maybe somebody that I can develop. I'm definitely looking for a tight end because that's sloppy seconds that you, you got on your, your roster. That's not good enough. The, the, what the Dolphins did is they literally ran the ball three times and punted at that position. They're like, okay, let's just get the ball downfield. Let's just, let's just survive. And it's not good. Um, wide receiver, while I, am, I have a high opinion of Robbie Chosen, probably higher than the team, your depth is Robbie Chosen and River Craycraft, and I'm not really counting Cedric Wilson because you shouldn't count Cedric Wilson either. That's probably one of the worst signings in Dolphins history. Um, so, you know, Eric Uzakama, maybe, you know, we who knows? Does he know the playbook now? Um, and as you know, with the secondary, the, the line, don't even give me start on linebacker. Like mm-hmm. you got you got Andrew Van Ginkle. He's your number four outside linebacker and your number four inside linebacker. Do you think that that's a good thing? It was it surprising to you where it was like in the middle of the off season, it was just, Oh, by the way, Andrew Van Ginkle is getting snaps inside. Cause it kind of felt like maybe it was just as one of those blitzing linebackers, but the more we hear about it, it's just kind of, Hey, we, we need you to help out everywhere. He's a heady player. He's a smart Van Ginkle always is around the ball. So it makes sense. It makes him more position versatile. Unfortunately for Van Ginkle, I think he's more of a special teams player mm. and will probably be for the rest of his career. And Andrew Van Ginkle, a jack of all trades, master of none. And this is no disrespect to him because I think he's had a, a pretty productive and successful NFL career. But is Van Ginkle a starting player in the NFL? I mean, clearly 31 teams had a chance to make him one. And they basically said, thanks, but no thanks. And mm-hmm. he'd had interest from other teams. So, you know, that's cool and that's fine. And I don't have an issue with, with Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, being your 40th player on your on your roster. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I would tell you on this roster, he's probably about player number 25, 26. And right. to me, that's just not that's just not good enough. I'm I'm I heard Vic Fangio say this um in his press conference with the media. He said, and and he was obviously talking from 20 years of experience and 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 a grizzled NFL veteran coach, but he was like, it's easy to put together spots number one through 40. It's those final eight to 13 spots that are the tough spots Mm -hmm. and the way that I look at, and, and, and keep this in mind, 
I'm happy and comfortable with my 16 practice squad spots. I have guys in mind for about 14 to 16 spots. Those are guys that I want to invest in, but that's mm -hmm. where their talent level is practice squad. And maybe in time it would elevate to 53 spots. Number four, 44 through 53. It's, uh, it's a little slim pickings for me. And the problem that I have is when you start to sustain injuries and you have to play the Dallas Thomases and you know, how, how, how good of a rock, when you have to play the Dallas Thomases and you have to play the Isaiah Fords, how good of a roster do you think that you're going to have this year? Sure. So let me talk to you more about another, uh, another position that's near and dear to your heart, that, that interior defensive line. Uh, I want to know what you've seen from Jake's guy, Brandon Peely so far. And I want to know if you think he's sponge worthy or are they going to go looking elsewhere? Maybe a, a Linval Joseph and Akeem Hicks, maybe an Andamakan Sioux reunion. Uh, what do you think about that interior defensive line? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I think I knew no what you way were going to say there. Comes, uh, yeah. There's no way Andamakan Sioux comes back here. And Andamakan Sioux is like a team cancer. Um, uh, Peely is not sponge worthy. He's very close. And if you mm -hmm. wave him, somebody might get intrigued just like the, the Patriots did when you waved, uh, uh, AJ Francis many, many years ago and claim him because Who's in my world now, right? He's a yeah, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> People don't realize I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Josh because Josh was like my lifeline last year when I was working with, I am athlete and I was on the road. And, you know, when you're on the road, you literally can't watch the games or you have no, you know, you have no access to it. And a lot of times I was in an airplane or airport and I'm trying to figure out what's happening with the Dolphins. Josh, you saved me, brother. You, you I, I, I love your game tweets. I appreciate it. So how I oftentimes, even when I'm covering the game, be able to look at what really happened because things move so fast. And, and people don't know Mark. I credit Mark because Merrick, Merrick, yeah, Merrick, Merrick, yeah. I, I call you wrestler. You know, I call you wrestler. Yeah, you just call me the wrestler. <laughs> yeah, um, he goes way back with me, and he is the reason why I hang with fans on the road. Um, we just had such a great time, and I was like, man, these people are really cool. Like, you never get to know who you meet and who you interact with, and you and you know. For those who know when I did travel, um, you know, I hung with fans. I just did. I just, I, I wasn't that always, but it was like, oh, aren't you scared? You know, people can, and, and that's the thing. Yes, I have a personality where people always want to attack me, but on the road, everybody is so amazing and nice. No, yeah, we watched uh, Alabama versus Texas A&M when uh, Johnny Manziel upset Alabama. We watched that game together at a sports bar back in the day, like 2012, maybe. It, I think, yes, that was when it was. I couldn't remember what year it was, but I knew it was It was Philbin era. It was the yes. beginning before we knew he was a fraud. Well, so, I'm just glad I'm just, I'm just glad my uh, videos were able to keep you up to date because I sometimes feel so foolish, you know, kids be quiet sitting in front of the TV recording it. <laughs> with the baby bottle. Get, yeah, with the baby I, bottle. Kids oh, oh the baby down. bottle breakdowns too? Oh, man, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely going to do more of those. Um, uh, Staying on subject, we're talking about defense, and you did say you don't want to talk about the linebacker room, but I, I really do want to talk about the linebacker unit because, um, you know, every year it seems like that's one of the biggest weaknesses. So what have you seen from that unit? I mean, David Long looks like if he can stay healthy, he's pretty solid. Um, Jerome Baker, 
What about after that, though? Channing Tindall, has he taken that next step? Aubrey Miller, a guy who I've been kind of uh, excited about as an acorn. What are your thoughts on that linebacker unit, and where would you turn if you're going to bring somebody in? Um, I mentioned to where I would turn. Um, I, you, you on this team, you definitely need a Neville Hewitt. Um, if you remember who Neville Hewitt was, just an athletic guy, not, you know, not some, you know, think about what he's done throughout his career. He's a special teams ace. You call him in, he's going to give you 80 tackles. Um, Duke Riley can do the similar things. Um, and I like Duke Riley from a coverage standpoint. He's a nickel guy. He's a dime guy. Um, if I needed a head on gap filler, I don't know if I can call on Duke Riley. Um, you mentioned Channing Tyndall. No need to mention Channing Tyndall. Um, and it's okay. It's just not, it doesn't, it doesn't fire fast enough for him. It doesn't diagnose fast enough for him. Um, he doesn't know what he's looking at. Uh, in, and we're talking about inside linebacker. Uh, you know what? I think Jerome Baker gets a bad rep by Dolphin fans. Dolphin fans, you know, every every linebacker has to be Zach Thomas. If they're not Zach Thomas, they're crap. <laughs> um, you know, we, we had Carlos Dandry, who probably was one of the better linebackers of an of an era. He was awesome. In in the NFL. And Dolphin fans poo-pooed him like he wasn't he wasn't Jack. You know what? Awful mistake losing him and Kevin Burnett for the other two. That was one of the oh worst. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ellerby and, and Philip Wheeler. Philip yeah. Wheeler. Oh, boy. Philip Wheeler. That Green Bay game. Uh, yeah, don't bring up that Green Bay game. <laughs> I always bring it up. Hey, if Philip Wheeler said, you know who I am. Uh, why was I in coverage? Like, <laughs> that's not my fault. That's your fault. That's like, and, and, we as, and we as media members, we sat there. We were like, you know what? That was was a moment where it was like the flared honesty. Like he's like, you know who I am. You know what I can't do. Why was I doing it? (laughs) Especially before and after the timeout, they called the timeout as a panic button. Oh my God. Yes. And we sat there. We're like, He's got a great point. That was one of my favorite days of the of covering the Dolphins. We're like sitting there about to bash this guy. And then he's like, hey, look at me. You know me. You know what I can't do. Why was I doing it? Like, we were like, he's got a great point. Omar, uh, they used to do a thing about 10 years ago, the Dolphins called Web Weekend. And uh, I got the honor of going down there just working with the blogs. Um, I got to see the Chargers 37 to nothing game after the passing of Joe Philbin's father. And then the following year, I got to see the Houston Texans game, which was also bananas. It was like 38 to nothing at half. They ended up blowing them away. Did you sit behind me? Because they usually sit behind me. (laughs) Uh, No, they kind of just threw us all around the field. It was very weird. Oh, you were on the field? Oh, no, excuse me. Um, uh, in the crowd. In the I, I, okay. Back in the day, I don't know. They do the newer web weekend where they put them all in the press box. But they used to, we would hang out with Scott Stone for a bit and, and people like that. But I guess what I'm trying to get at is, you know, there was the Joe Philbin vibes the first time I went. The second time I went, Dan Campbell had just taken over. And <laughs> you could kind of hear people, even like just working at desks, kind of joking about how the environment has changed. People would roll their eyes. They'd almost fall out when they uh, reference the shield. The shield was one of the worst things ever. So this is my long-winded way of getting how have the vibes changed over 10 years where we have this team that 
we can actually kind of talk about maybe hopefully being a deep playoff run compared to, let's say, 10 years ago where it was, let's get in the hunt, let's be on that graphic, and that's the end of the season. Whether it's wise or not, um, they are talking about Super Bowl, and they don't shy away from talking about Super Bowl. That's a definite drastic change in the mentality and the attitude. Uh, Mike McDaniel and two are leading that charge to the point where, you know, before I'd be like, ooh, Super Bowl. You saying Super Bowl? Like, calm down, slow down. And they've said it enough now to the point where you're like, okay, they really do believe that they can be a Super Bowl contender, and maybe they can. And, you know, they had the six-ranked offense last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they had a horrible defense, but that defense was riddled by injuries, and it was coached by a mediocre position a, a coordinator, a guy who was in over his head. Okay, you just hired Vic Fangio, who's arguably – I'm not sure you can name a better defensive coordinator in the NFL. You could try – I'm not talking about defensive coordinator as a head coach, but name me a better defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I would probably argue to you that Vic Fangio, Brian Flores, and uh, Vance Joseph, and, you know, Vic Fangio's got it. Um, Leslie Frazier's gone, so I'd have to give it to Vic Fangio right now. He gets a crown. Um, in terms of the, the, you know, you got the weapons. You don't have the depth. I brought that up. You probably don't have the offensive line. It's work in progress. Uh, I do believe you have a semblance of the running game. Could it be better? Yeah, you could go again, Jonathan Taylor, and it could be better. Um, but you, there's always this second-year surge under Mike McDaniel that sort of jumpstarts that run game. And I do believe if there's one thing that I've seen so far in the two exhibition games that as a pleasant surprise, they're better run blocking. They they're they know their assignments. They know their spots. They know their landmarks. They know their aiming points. They know their angles, and they're hitting those things better, which is creating better avenues and lanes and holes for the backs. I mean, look at Savon Ahmed. If I what you saw in the second game against Houston, I've seen generally all training camp most of the time. Not when pads come on, but you know that that's who he is. And you know, if I would have told you fans that Savon Ahmed that that uh, Devon A Chain was performing like Saman Ahmed, you'd say he absolutely needs to be the starter. And, you know, and you, you, but that's your rookie hype. So, you know, put that to the side. Saman Ahmed is performing like a starter. Now, I will also tell you that he's not close to or even or better than Raheem Mostert because Raheem Mostert can do everything at an elevated level better than Saman Ahmed. And then there's Miles Gaskin, who, you know, most Dolphin fans have forgotten about. Miles Gaskin, when he was a starter for the Dolphins, was one of the most efficient yards per carry running backs in the NFL. And we poo-poo him now, but still here. Showed you what he could do. Showed you what he could do in the first game. Um, and and then Jeff Wilson is kind of a mystery for me because I really don't know what to see or what to expect from him or or his role based on the fact that he's kind of been limited in practice because of something that he's been deal, dealing with. So um, but, but I like the backs. I think, I think depth wise, they, and Chris Brooks, like, you know, if you told me that they kept them on the 53 mile roster, I'd be, I'd be a little surprised, but I'd be like, all right, okay. I, I'm not going to argue with it. I'm not going to be physical, like, yeah. what are they doing? That dude, that sucker's big. 
<laughs> he, 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 I can't remember who he reminds me of. Um, uh, Giants running back. Big Josh guy. Jacobs. I, it's like Josh Jacobs light. Brandon Jacobs? I was going to say Brandon, Brandon Jacobs. Jacobs. Brandon, That's Brandon what I meant. Jacobs. Brandon Jacobs. We yeah. Josh Jacobs meant. has that style too. So, right. you know, uh, and I, but I just look at his college statistics and his college career and I'm like, mm, you know, I shouldn't really expect much out of this guy, but he's impressing. And same thing with Julian Hill. Like, mm, I, you know, Julian Hill's made plays from time to time at tight end, but then he got into that Houston game and he was, he was mowing people down. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. You know, I can tell you he's ahead of Elijah Higgins. So, but Elijah Higgins is also in a different kind of role, different kind of responsibilities. So um, the question was, what was the question? Um, Super Bowl, right? Is that what we were asking? Yeah, yeah. How are the vibes different? Why can this team talk Super Bowl? And ten years ago, we were horrified of facing, you know, just the Patriots. Why not? I don't think there's any Tom Brady in your division. Um, <laughs> even though I think you do have the hardest division in the NFL, which is yeah. part of the reason why I don't think they're a Super Bowl team. I think they're more of a playoff contending team, and for these reasons, and hate me if you will, Dolphin fans. I just know that you're going to lose five to six starters. And then when those five to six starters are replaced by the backups, how good is your product going to be? And yes, every team is going to go through it and face it and has to endure it. It just so happens, you know, what spots are these? Mm-hmm. If it's Alec Ingold and, and Zach Sealer and Robert Hunt, uh, yo, you, you, your, your booty is grass and, and the season's going to be the lawnmower. If, if it's, you know, replaceable guys who's some replaceable guys uh tyler croft and you know uh i'm trying to robert jones has to play for a bit something like that when he gets healthy yeah i mean yeah it it just depends on who has to replace him like if you're starting brandon peely a defensive lineman like you, you got some problems you're gonna have some problems um depth at cornerback you know Eli Apple, okay, it's all right. Like, now, you lose Eli Apple, are you going to be all right? Are you sure? Like, do you know for certain? Um, don't don't let you lose Xavier Howard. Season's done. Wrap nope. it up. Don't want that. No, so, you know, it, it, it really just depends on who those injuries are, and you never know. That's why I never play that um, – you know, win loss, win loss, win loss game that fans play when they when they get the schedule out. I'm like, I don't know who your quarterback's gonna be in week 13 for either team. Like, I, I don't like you might lose your you you might lose um uh uh Von Miller the game before like and have to adjust as Buffalo. Like, mm-hmm. you you never know. So I've always just seen that and taken that approach where. Injuries water down every NFL team. How good is your depth? How can you sustain? Yeah. Or are you going to have Dallas Thomas out there being the weakest link and, and basically dragging everybody down? Let me hop back in here, Omar. Uh, despite what some people on social media would say, you've actually always been a fan of Tua Tungabailoa. What what Dolphins podcast would it be if we didn't talk Tua Tungabailoa for a little bit, right? Uh, but you, you've actually always been a supporter. You've always said he has. Don't tell that to Tua and on. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell that to two anon. We um, might all be secret I, I, members I, there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've always been a supporter of Tua. I do believe in Tua. 
Um, the problem that Tuanon has with me is that I will criticize him just like I criticize everybody. And that's I know fair. what his strengths and his I know what his strengths and his limitations are. My job is not to be a fanboy and and you know sing from the choir. I know sure. what he can do. Like if you're asking him to throw a 15 yard out and put it on a rope, might get there, might not, might be pick six. Not what you should be asking him to do. Like it, it, you know. There are certain throws where he probably throws it better than all but maybe five quarterbacks in the NFL. And then there are certain throws where all every quarterback, but maybe five throw it better than him. You know, don't ask him to do the things that he's not comfortable with. Um, RPO, that's his wheelhouse. There are literally college and high school video tutorials breaking down the elements of the RPO, the designs of the RPO, the concept of the RPO with Tua as the main case. The poster boy, yeah. He is the poster boy of RPO football. He is the face of a new generation of football. Have him do it. Like, so my question with Tua Tungabailoa, Omar, you were there in the beginning. You covered Tua's rookie year, his second year, missed a little bit last year. What differences do you see in Tua Tungabailoa this training camp uh, as uh, opposed to his rookie year, his second year in the NFL? What type of growth have you seen from Tua Tungabailoa as a guy who's always said that – as Tua spends more time in the NFL, you're going to see him grow and be the it quarterback in the NFL. What have you seen? Where, where's the growth with Tua right now? It's, you shouldn't make me compare it to his first year as a starter. If you do that, it's not going to be nice. Um, it's better that I compare it to last year to now because if I did it with his first year as a starter, you've got – he wasn't even comfortable in his own skin. Right. He was under attack by his own coaching staff. Mm-hmm. You know, he was coached by two. No, nah, I shouldn't say two, but it wasn't really. a. He, they couldn't hire an offensive coordinator because nobody wanted to work for Brian Flores. Well, no, that wasn't his first. That wasn't his second year. Yeah. No, that was his second year. Yeah. Second year as a starter because he had Chan Galen and Brian Flores. Chang Gailey didn't want to deal with Brian Flores. Um, Mike McDaniel puts it best, and this is the best way that I can correlate it. Um, you might have studied Spanish, and you might have done Spanish too, if not taken AP Spanish. Can you go to Spain and speak fluently with to the people? I like that. Um right now that was where Tua was his first year he knew Spanish could probably hear it and understand what you're saying but probably have to respond in English Mm. right now he's a fluent Spanish speaker he knows the offense they are catering the offense and this is where you know me and me and my fellow my peers we sort of have a disagreement because while some people say that the offense is struggling, I say that the offense is experimenting and they're seeing their capabilities and they're seeing their limitations. Like we spent a whole week in Houston working the tight ends and in trying to incorporate the tight ends and using the tight ends in various roles and testing out what these guys can do. The tight ends are like the fourth and fifth option on this team. Like, why would I do that? Mm-hmm. Because it's practice and we need to work on it. Um, and we need to see what's possible. Uh, 
this week, I can't really tell you what this week he's got to play without Tyreek and Waddle. You know, that look that you know, <laughs> asking to play a game without Tyreek and Waddle and yeah, see how changes that things out a bit. He, yeah. he was salty after yeah. that practice. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, he was. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, he was salty after that. Practice. <laughs> uh, have you been to I, Onyx? I have you been to Onyx, Omar? Do you I know what Brian Clark's fuck I figured you might have been. <laughs> uh, oh, I have, I have absolutely been to Onyx, and I do like my stripper stick. No, no denying. <laughs> no, <laughs> no denying it. That is the my, man likes what he likes. I, a man likes what he likes. Um. So. And. Just to put this in context, Tua is thick. Tua has always been thick. That's he's Samoan. Samoan. Like he's got, a, he's got a he's got a he's got a he's got a wide base and a donkey donk. <laughs> yes. He's sir. had that. He's had it. So you put a little extra pounds on it, it's gonna look a little thicker. He's at about 230 now. Like, and he put the weight on intentionally mm-hmm. because people are saying to him. It's going to help you survive an NFL season better. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's done everything he could. They, you, they said, do this, 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 and this, and it's going to help you survive an NFL season better. He did this, 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 and this. And this, part of this was put on weight. He's a good soldier. And weight gain. Turn that, turn, you know, and he's turned it. And it's, it's not like it's sloppy weight. Tua doesn't have a belly hanging out. You know, his shoulders are broader. His neck's broader. Like they've done neck exercises to, you know, He's he's yes he's put on weight, but it's it's supposed to be muscle. Mm-hmm. Now you know does it look like muscle when he's padded up and you know but it doesn't. But it is what it is. Like he put on weight so he can survive seventeen games. How, what if he survived seventeen games? Do we care how he did it? No, no sir. I mean, you're around right. athletes That's... Omar all the time. How different do these guys look start of season, end of season? Just the, the the sprint is so long; it just takes so much out of these people. I mean, how much would you say the weight changes just by the end of the year? Uh, the weight changes mostly in training camp. Gotcha, um, gotcha. You know, they're literally guys that lose eight to ten pounds per practice. Um, if you can imagine, Jeez. that. especially in uh, Miami. Yeah, if you can imagine that, I've, I've I've seen it, been there, done that. You know, the, where we literally were in the locker room, and you watch a guy go on the scale, and they're like, "Yeah, I was like, I was, I lost twelve pounds at practice today." Like, you know, people people don't think that that's a real thing, but you try carrying forty pounds of of of, of equipment on you, and then running, you know, hundred, you know, running 40, 40, 40 yard sprints for the day. Like it's, yeah. it's going to happen. Um, so yeah, it's the season, you know, when it comes and this is the thing that dolphin fans don't get. Um, and, and which is why they're, you know, I, I keep saying this because dolphin fans are up in my mentions about my, every team's got depth issues. Every team's got problems. Every team's this and that. And I'm like, okay, cool. When it comes to December, you know, why teams run the ball in December teams that do run the ball have success in December, because when you get to December football, Players don't want to hit nobody no more. They're tired. They're tired of being hit. Their bodies are on fumes. So if you are a bruising, banging, physical team, they're like, all right, God, all right, dude, you got it. Like, I'm just trying to make it to my to the end of the year so I can get to my next contract. Mm-hmm. So when you do play that brand of football in December and January, you have an edge, which is why you've seen the 49ers have success in that portion of the season. Mm-hmm. 
And what Mike McDaniel's trying to do is he's trying to build a team like that. Now, will he stay committed with it or will he continue to, to be romanticized by Tariq Hill and, and Speed? We shall see. But, you know, it, it's it's an evolution. And I, I, I do think that they are evolving. And I do think that they're going to be a better running team. What are your thoughts on the offensive line? I know you soon got to we got to let you go soon. But um, I don't know if you can sit here and project it for us and tell us who you think might start. But what have you seen throughout camp of this offensive line? And uh, should we be queasy heading into the season? We always talk about being Joe Philbin queasy. And we are definitely they queasy. <laughs> they need a wall to run to, yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you my thoughts uh, on the offensive line because you asked. And, and you, you, you know, Josh, I'm, 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 you know I'm obsessed with offensive line. Um, Austin Jackson's been your best offensive lineman. Whether that makes you feel comfortable or not. Wow. That's a, Whether, now that's a bold I, statement, I Omar. That's a that's a very bold. We cannot gloss over that statement, Omar. Austin Jackson currently, right now, and we we recognize Teron Armstead hasn't practiced. He's dealing with an injury right now, uh, so maybe he's out of the equation. But of the guys left over, you are here right now to definitively say that Austin Jackson has been Miami's. Best offensive lineman so far through uh, two and a half weeks of the preseason. And I say it without any I, – I challenge you to tell me somebody who's performed wow. better. I, that's um, good news. That's good news. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you could take it however you want to take it. Like, Robert Hunt and him played next to each other. If you ask me who was more of a problem, I tell you Robert Hunt was more of a problem. Wow, now, that's breaking oh. news, Omar. I, that hasn't been reported nah, anywhere I've else. I've said it before, and I, and me and my peers have discussed it. You can't say it's Connor Williams because he's hot and cold. He's up and down. He's taking his lumps. He Sorry, gets the snaps. Beat. Yeah, it's, the snaps are inconsistent. It's definitely not the left guard spot. Um, Kendall Lamb today. Oh my goodness gracious. Um, I and I am a Kendall Lamb fan. But I'm a Kendall Lamb fan. Up until today, I looked at it and I was like, hmm, this is NFL starting caliber here at left guard. I left tackle. Hmm, I like this. And then Bradley Chubb, they were – Bradley Chubb today, they were they were game planning or mimicking, simulating a game week preparation and, and you know, doing what they do. And Bradley Chubb just like, – like he flipped on a switch and had a four-sack practice today. And not only did he just destroy Kendall Lamb, but then Andrew Van Ginkle did it as well Uh-oh. with Uh-oh. three sacks. And I'm like, holy crap, what the heck happened here? And it was it, it, it forces me to recalibrate, one, what I think about Bradley Chubb, because he says he was working on things. He was trying things out. He was experimenting. Okay, now I'm getting back to the hits. I'm doing what works because the action is real. It's live. This isn't, this isn't me in the lab time anymore. And whoa. It was a completely different animal. Um, so now I have to like sit here and recalibrate what I think about him because I'm looking at him and I'm saying, eh, not a hundred million dollar player. But if you play like that, how you in the season, like, whoa, okay. Um, okay. So, but let's get back to the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, back to Austin, Austin Jackson, Jackson in particular. Austin Jackson has outperformed Robert Hunt. Connor Williams has been struggling. Left guard is mystery meat. Up in the Kendall end. Lamb is... You know, he's solid, but he's not Teron Armstead. And okay, Teron so Armstead's is, hurt. Yes. Who is your best offensive lineman? If Today, Austin Jackson is a number – if Austin Jackson is a number one, he's number two. So – I like you, this. You, you know, 
I you like can take this. that however that, you want to take that, it. That's good news. That's not a that's not a vote of confidence that he's gonna be magic and you know. But Austin Jackson is on a redemption tour where he's like, okay, you know, first time he talked to the media um, during training camp, he mentioned all of us by name. He said, "Hello, Omar. Hello, Joe. Oh, he Hello, knows. Adam. He knows. Hello, yes." And he said, <laughs> "I know what all of you all have been writing." And I'm going to silence. <laughs> and we're like, okay, you know, I, I know what all of you all have been writing about me. And it's a contract and, year for Austin Jackson. He didn't get his fifth year option picked up. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, so he's 20, in a money 24 year. maybe just became more expensive for the Miami Dolphins. Um, yeah, I. I it, it can't get any more expensive than it already is. Um, you're like, yeah, you're, 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 you're that guy who's like buying a Porsche on credit card. It's that expensive. Oh, she's like, you're going to have, you're going to have a lot of work to figure that out. Um, but it's, yeah. And the Porsche would be Jonathan Taylor. Um, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. love, um, I love it. Steve Ross, like, put it on the card. I don't care. Put it on the card. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 82 years old anyways. Get me, get me what is, I want. Is he 82? I don't, I don't know. Somewhere yeah, around there. I know he's in his 80s. Um, eh, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen there. But Austin Jackson is out to prove and silence people. And he realizes. That's good. He, he plays well. You're making $8 million a year as an average NFL starter. You're, you're, you, you struggle. And damn, you might be struggling to get two million dollars a year and bounce from team to team like Cedric O. Like, <laughs> you know what time it is. So, and the mentality's there, the mindset is there, the body is fitter. Um, does he get beat? Yes, he's he's getting beat. He got beat today too. Jalen Phillips got got in that. You know what? Um, today, um, it wasn't like the Bradley Chubb beat down, but it it was it was solid. So what can happen, what can be for this team? I have no idea, but I will say this. I can say with conviction, I think they're going to be a better run blocking team. Mm. Okay, we'll take it. Omar, I got one more question if you have just a little more time for it. Absolutely, don't worry about it. You, you spoke a bit about the importance of running the ball in December, and I think an injury we don't talk enough about last year is Alec Ingold breaking a wrist, because once you have that club on, you are no longer a threat to catch the football. Uh, and, you know, football, fullback talk isn't the most exciting thing, but I'm just curious on what you feel he brings to this offense in terms of just the flexibility, forcing teams to play against the 21 personnel that is a little more than just that. You know, uh, Jake, you must be listening to the All Dolphins podcast that I do with Alan Poupard because Alan Poupard always hints, always says, and I do have a, I have developed a man crush on Alec Ingold. Like, I love it. I there is, like, he's very good. I did not know he was this good. Um, he's your number two tight end. He's your H back. He's your fullback. He's your short yardage option. He can probably catch 20 passes in the season. Um, I've watched him in the red zone where teams forget about him and, there he is, scrambling for a touchdown to catch. Um, I initially ranked him on alldolphins.com after the first week of practice as probably, I think, a top four performer in camp. Wow, um, then he suffered his injury. I think he's going to have a massive season. Like, Let's go. Like, massive season. Because I think he gives you an element. He's like a Swiss Army knife where he's on the field and – a defense has to put a linebacker out there, but they don't know what he's going to be doing. 
they don't know what Ingold is going to be doing. And so how do you defend him? How do you cover him? How do you contain him? And a lot of times he's doing max protection and he's opened up the big play. So while you're out here with your, you know, with your three linebackers and your Sam's on your Sam linebackers on the field, Tariq and Jalen are screaming downfield and you can't do nothing about it because you got your safety, your deep safety has got to pick one or the other. And so that leads the potential for a lot of big plays. And I think it's Ingold that is the secret weapon. I, I truly do believe that. Love to hear it. Omar Kelly, all Dolphins. The final question is on a fullback. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's what we do Jonathan. here at another. What about Jonathan podcast. Taylor? We could have asked you Jonathan Taylor if you really wanted to soapbox um, about that. Uh, Does it I get think, done? Yes or no, Omar? Do we do, do the Dolphins acquire Jonathan Taylor? Yes or no? There, there are a lot of factors involved in that, and part of the factors is is there another bidder? So, is there another bidder that's willing? Reportedly, to get there are Taylor? six bidders right now. That's what, oh, that's, okay. what ESPN, oh, that's what ESPN that's what ESPN is reporting right now today as of the time of this recording ESPN is reporting there are six bidders six serious bidders for for Jonathan Taylor I call bull <laughs> I'm I there might be two I'm just telling you what the what the Twitter streets are saying okay I call bull one there's no team that's going to be out there who's going to break the bank like Steve Ross in terms of what they're going to put on the table. Um, you know you know, Steve Ross got deep pockets, and he is not afraid to spend it. I think my count is at seven players that he's made the highest paid players at their position. Wow. Um, people throw that his... on. All huh? you want is him to spend a crazy amount of money, and he does that. that. That's all I need out of an owner. Which is why, and he loves that perception and reputation because it always gets him a seat at the table. So now in this situation, you're clearing an agent to go out there and negotiate a deal for his client. You, you know who their first call is going to be? It's going to be Steve Ross because he's going to set the bar. Yeah. Um, and he loves that. Absolutely loves that. Um, I, this I know is fact. And so then, so first you got to get the hurdle of the bar, the contract. Everybody's got to jump Miami. Okay, so once everybody decides that they're not getting in a bidding war with Miami, and I don't think that Miami goes drastically too high in a bidding war, then we get to the point where, okay, can you work out the compensation? Indianapolis, you're not getting a first-round pick unless some team is just going to trade for them, and maybe you do get a first-round pick. Maybe. Maybe Kansas City says, hey, come get our first – you want our first-round pick? You know, maybe. It's a 30-second pick. Who cares? Right. Um, maybe, but – you're not going to get a first round pick from Miami. Jeff, uh, uh, I said Jeff Ireland. Um, <laughs> Mike McDaniel has made a joke um, on the final draft day. He was like, you know, I'd like to use one of those first round picks eventually. You know, it would be nice. Right. Um, and and I, I took that quite seriously. And, and it's true. And on top of that, just so that we, when I talk about the cap apocalypse, you know the reason why we're having the cap apocalypse? Because you have not used your draft picks, you have not had any, and the draft picks that you have selected, they're kind of whack. <laughs> so you have you've got no depth, no cheap players on your roster because you've squandered your draft picks, which is another reason why you trade away your draft picks. So I mean, when Cater Kohu is your top performer of your rookie class and he's an undrafted guy. Do you really need draft picks? That that's a, a totally different Just conversation. Keep finding them acorns. Yeah, it it don't work like that. <laughs> I, I, I hear where you're coming from. Sure. Um, 
I think that it does get done from this standpoint. Everybody keeps bringing up Steve Ross and his age and his desperation level. And I think there's some truth to that. Mm -hmm. Um, He wants to win. And you're, and if you pay attention to the cap apocalypse, you have a two year window to get this done. This team cannot be held together longer than two years. And you've got nothing behind this team. So you're going to be starting over. And so you better make the most of this two-year run. And if you add Jonathan Taylor for the next three years, that's another foundational piece at not a tremendous amount of money, $12, $13 million. Okay. Hell, you're paying Cedric Wilson $7 million. Like, don't cry about it. Don't cry about $12 million to an an elite player. Um, So so I, I, I think it gets done. It should get done because... Chris Greer cannot look at this team and say Super Bowl. He can't if he's going to be honest and transparent with himself. And more importantly, his scouting department. After this Jacksonville game, when they sit up and they have their meetings and talk about personnel and Vic Fangio gets in there and is brutally honest with them, they're going to look at themselves a lot differently because the team that they put together is not a very good team. It's not in the realm of Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, Kansas City Chiefs. It's not there. And if you want to talk about Super Bowl, you got to get there. Only way, in my opinion, that you get there is, is, is Jonathan Taylor. I think back to the Dolphins when they rebuilt, right, in 2019 when they hired Flores. Is there any possibility that the Dolphins might reach up to a first-round pick if maybe they can dump, uh, you know, a Sed Wilson, maybe Emmanuel Agba goes to the Colts? Is there any way you think maybe a player could be involved where the Colts are trying to just bring in oh. draft picks, take on money, something like that? Oh, absolutely. You put you put Cedric Wilson – I mean, no, you take Cedric Wilson, you can have my first-round pick. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you take Emmanuel Agba, you know, well, the deal will get sweetened. Um, you know, Dolphins are trying to unload both players. So, you know, I'm sure they're going to say they're not, but mm-hmm. let, let's be real about it. Um, and if you want to take on those contracts and they have a needed defensive end, which is why Agba does make some sense there. Yeah. They probably just don't want to pay the $15 million, but if Miami commits to giving them 5 million of the 15, yeah. You might have a deal, and Steve Ross yeah. wouldn't. Steve Ross wouldn't say no to that, like, like Steve Ross. And it that moving Ogba would give you the cap relief to the point where I could say, okay, folks, the apocalypse, the the, the cap apocalypse is over. Because Interesting. It would, it yeah. would clear. It would clear fifteen million dollars in cap space. You've already got thirteen. That would get you to twenty-eight. You're already negative thirty-two. Um, there, you know, there's maneuvers and ways to clear that thirty-two but they're going to cost you a lot of players. The only guy that you can restructure next year without any harm is Jalen Ramsey. And he's coming off a knee injury. So do you really want to do that? Understand when you restructure guys, you're committing to them longer. You're not going to restructure Tyreek for another year because Tyreek is going to say, okay, I need top, I need number one salary money. Okay. So you're right. Rewriting a new deal. You're not going to restructure Teron Armstead because next year is the final year of the money that he's guaranteed. And he already can't hold up for 17 games. Yeah. So are you going to yeah. keep doing that? You, you might restructure it and lower his number, but what player wants to lower their number? You know, you probably can restructure Jerome and strong arm him, depending on how long he wants to stay here. But Jerome has been 102, average 102 tackles his entire career with the Dolphins. And he's been under, underutilized as a blitzer. I'm not saying that, you know, he shouldn't try, but Jerome's probably going to say, yeah, I'll go test the market. Um, so 
And then obviously everybody's strategy to get under the cap is to cut Xavier. Okay, cut cut your top five player. Mm, great strategy or or trade your top five player. Phenomenal strategy. And and then don't think that you're purging. Because understand when you when you purge when as as you guys know, I, I refer to it as buying a team on Hudak coins. You know, the 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 New Orleans Saints, they finally had to let their roster purge get purged last year, which is how you ended up with Teron Armstead. It, all it takes is a one-year reset. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, when is that reset going to happen for the Dolphins? 24 or 25? We, we, we shall see. Depends on which year that gives them that ring. Uh, Mayor, Josh, you guys got anything else before we wrap up here? Want to call it? No, I, I just want to thank you, Omar, for coming on. Uh, really appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy guy with the, with the young daughter and everything. Hope she's doing well. Um, but yeah, appreciate you coming on and hopefully we can do this again. This was, uh, this was a blast. It really was always a pleasure, gentlemen. Um, yeah. as I, as I say, um, you can find my work on all dolphins.com, um, and the podcast, hopefully you guys subscribe because it really, it really means a lot to me because we're building something. Um, we're on the ground. We're the guys that are watching practice and analyzing it. And if you've watched it, um, this is where we don't fight. We, we have discussions and and how I think conversations should go where a lot of, there's give and take and there's middle ground. And a lot of times we see things the same way. And when we don't see things the same way, we discuss it out, which as opposed yeah. to people yelling at you and, you know, right. telling you that how crazy and stupid you are, which I don't think is podcasting. I think that's, you know, everybody's not an ESPN analyst. Everybody's not yeah. Ryan Clark, who, you know, the job is not to say <laughs> the most sensational thing and, and have people react to it. The job is to break down and analyze the team. And even though you might not understand what I mean when I say the cap apocalypse or when I what I mean when I say the depth is not good, if you hear me out, you will understand my concerns. You might not agree. But I just need you to understand it. And I think that's what we do well with all Dolphins, uh, the podcast. Awesome, awesome. Like you said, Omar, everyone go subscribe, all Dolphins podcast, Omar Kelly, at Omar Kelly on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We greatly appreciate it. Always appreciate it. And keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, as you know, uh, I don't know you, Jake, but you guys are two of my favorite guys and have been for, for quite a while. And keep doing what you're doing. It mean it, it, it truly does mean a lot to, to – the hardcore dolphin fans, which those are the people that I care about. Appreciate you, Omar. Good to stay, Mo. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. Always a pleasure.